This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. You're listening to Bingeworthy, the episodic television and long-form narrative conversation on the Playlist Podcast Network and theplaylist.net. Here's your host, Kimber Myers. Hello, and welcome to Bingeworthy, the Playlist TV podcast. I'm your host, Kimber Myers, and with me today I have fellow Playlist contributor, Will Ashton. How's it going, Will? Hey. Pretty good, pretty good. Thank you for inviting me on. Oh, no, thank you for, for joining me. Will was a big contributor to the year-end TV feature about the best shows of 2016, and I'm sure he'll be great here. He's got a lot of great insight into uh, what shows everybody should be watching. So what we're going to talk about in today's episode is uh, we're first going to dive into The Young Pope. And then we'll spend the second half of the episode on our most anticipated shows for 2017 to give everyone some stuff to look forward to, to uh, give them that like feeling of, of TV FOMO. And uh, yeah, so diving into The Young Pope, uh, just for a quick synopsis for uh, anybody who isn't getting the synopsis from the title itself, um, it is about... <laughs> The young pope, um, not the youngest pope in history, but uh, certainly one for many centuries. He is also the first American pope. He's played by Jude Law, um, who is taking the name of Pius Thirteenth, and he was a young orphan taken in by a nun played by Diane Keaton. And it turns out that he is not the pliable, easily influenced pope that the cardinals had hoped for um it's from paolo sorrentino who won the oscar a few years ago for the great beauty and then also more recently directed youth so he directed all 10 episodes um, has a very very strong (laughs) directorial stamp we'll say Uh, i've seen the first five episodes which are available to press will how many episodes have you seen uh, just the same, five episodes. Awesome. So once this actually goes live, two of them will have aired for for audiences. So we'll try not to go into any spoilers around those uh, those episodes three, four, and five. Um, I I have to say, well, I saw on Facebook that you posted a review uh, of the show for one of the sites that you write for, but I didn't read it because I wanted to to go in a little bit cold, but I would love to hear what what you thought of The Young Pope. And where did you write that review for, just so we can give that a little bit of a shout out? Oh, uh, yeah, I wrote that for We Got This Covered, so if you want to check that out, by all means. Um, Yeah, so where did we end with The Young Pope? It just... (laughs) It is a hell of a show. I mean, <laughs> it just like I've I've seen some reviews like try to describe it, and it just like I think think the sheer magnitude of it is just so much that like you just have to see it to believe it. But you did a pretty good job describing it. But yeah, it's uh, Jude Law kind of playing 
as much as like Frank Underwood is to politics, <laughs> he is to the Pope. Exactly. And it is like a deliciously like theatrical role for him. Like it's, I would say it's probably one of his best to date. I mean, he's really stepped up recently. Like I know he was really great in uh, Dom Hemingway, which is like an indie movie that not too many people saw, but I I remember liking it a good bit. And like he was in good side effects, and I liked him in the Sherlock Holmes movies and stuff. But here he just like relishes in this like <laughs> menacing. Uh, you know, he there's some like there's a lot you're not really sure like where he's coming from, especially in these first two episodes. But he has this uh, uh, just this underlining uh, need to like hold this power for all it's worth, and you don't even know if it's a god thing. Like he claims he's doing all you know to you know be one with God and that ever humanity can be one with God. But it does seems like he's like just in it for, you know, just the sheer vindictive need to like take all these people down. And it's, I mean, it's, it's not one for likable characters. I've heard some people say that, you know, they don't like the characters. They find them too oppressive or too, you know, bombastic, but there's, I don't know, there's like a King Lear, I feel quality to this show. Would you agree with that? I, I think that that is a, great description of of him it is like you said it is a great performance there's a lot for him to chew on in the role it he can go from being incredibly sympathetic to cruel (laughs) very quickly (laughs) um in a way that is entirely believable and is so good from jude law like like you said i think that this is um, this is a really nice showcase for for him. Um, he's playing a little bit older. I think he's supposed to be 47 in the show, and he's uh, still in his early 40s. Uh, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, he's he's wonderful. The character too is so slippery. Even five episodes in, I'm not entirely sure that I have mm-hmm. a handle on him, and I think that that's. That's a good thing. I don't think it's from inconsistency in the writing or any of those other issues. I think that Sorrentino and Law have created an incredibly complex, fascinating character together. Yeah. I mean, the most telling scenes to me were the opening ones and the last ones of the first episode where like this, you know, like the first couple scenes are this, you know, uh, kind of what you expect from Sorrentino, this, you know, larger in life dream sequence where he's going up and he's like telling all of his Catholic followers to, you know, get abortions and have premarital sex and all this stuff. And, you know, like in the very comedic way, like all these priests are passing out and like doves are flying everywhere, like a John Woo movie almost. (laughs) Uh, And then like this last scene where uh, he, I I mean, he basically manipulates the one uh, priest into confessing everyone's sins. So he basically has an upper hand on everybody. And, you know, he goes up, up, up above at the Vatican, the top of the church, so he can be as close to God as possible. He basically says, like, I don't even know if there is a God. Like, I am technically God, I guess. And the guy is just like, what? <laughs> and he's just like, yeah, JK. Like, I'm, it, they say it much more eloquently. But, yeah, it's just like and you just that's where the show ends, like, for his first episode. And you just like you're, you're so wrapped up in this character, but you just have no idea where, like, he's going. It just it really captures my interest. It just such a wild out there show but in a good way absolutely i think it's it's all over the place but like you said i think it's a really it really has its handle on its tone and its voice and it knows exactly what it's doing it doesn't feel like it um is any sort of there's any sort of randomness or lack of 
of a handle on it. It's incredibly assured from Sorrentino. I'm just, I I wasn't really sure what to think that that first episode. Um, I was still kind of trying to acclimate myself to the the world that it presents, um, but have really really figured out that I, I at the very least while I'm still figuring out the show I definitely have figured out the fact that I like it <laughs> five yeah. episodes in I think I was surprised too by how funny it is mm-hmm. um in for pre- sure yeah like and I don't want to spoil the joke because I think it's episode three but I definitely had the biggest laugh around a t-shirt that mm-hmm. uh Diane Keaton's sister Mary wears that just is um, it's a nice uh, way of showing in shorthand how incredibly profane <laughs> the show <laughs> can be. Um, yeah, I'm I'm also curious to how how Catholics will respond to it. I saw some stuff online that it did very very well in Italy was the highest rated show um, that originated on um, from Sky Atlantic Um, so it seems like it's doing well there I'm just very curious how if it's something that's um, that at least American Catholics are interested in and will make it past that first like five minutes yeah I mean I grew up in a predominantly Catholic family so maybe that explains some of my enjoyment of the series but Every time I talk to my parents, I've just been like, have they brought up the young pope in church at all? Like, I'm just really <laughs> curious, like, if they're just going to have, like, a sermon about it or anything. And just, like, I just want to know what their response is, exactly like you are. I just, I like, whether they love it or hate it, I just want to know what they feel about this. Yeah, I, I'm really interested how much additional um, insight that, that people who are Catholic have into it. I grew up evangelical, so certainly adjacent, but a very different uh, experience than the the one that is relayed here, which I think is, um, I, I feel like I'm missing out on a little bit of it. And um, but, but the show also, I think, does a good job of communicating all of the various traditions and how he is either following those traditions or um, really coming into conflict with either those who've come before him or more frequently um, all of the the cardinals and the men that surround him now. Definitely, definitely. I think, too, I don't know if I was expecting the female relationships to be so interesting. Obviously, <laughs> Sister Mary um, is... A fascinating character, and mm-hmm. I'm just so happy to see Diane Keaton getting to do something, something great. Um, but there's also the head of marketing, um, right. who's uh, played by Cecile de France, which is there's just a really, again, not wanting to spoil a ton for those who aren't totally caught up. But there's a really interesting approach um, by the Pope to the past uh, traditions of, or at least the more recent traditions of marketing and how. The church makes money. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and then also uh, Ludwig Seigneur is in it as well as a guard's wife, we'll, we'll say, for, for the early episodes. Um, but which I'm very happy to see both of them being a bit of a, a Francophile, getting to do something a little bit different than I've seen the two of them do previously. Yeah, and I feel like I just, I mean... For me personally, I feel like I haven't seen Diane Keaton in a long time. So it just feels good to see her in something again, especially so prominently. 
Yes. And and such a great role for her. I think she's done some romantic comedies over the last mm-hmm. decade or two, which she's wonderful at. Um, and at least with, I think, Because I Said So was one that was maybe about 10 years ago. Yeah, that was um, like 2007. Yeah, um, where her talents were not used quite to their full extent. Um, and that movie is most memorable for me for being one where someone actually vomited in the theater, which oh, I, really? thought, I thought was an appropriate reaction. But... Um, oh, I want to hear the story for that. <laughs> that is pretty much it. There was just loud vomiting that continued for a while in oh, wow. in the theater, <laughs> and yet no one left. Um, <laughs> that would have been the either for us or for the the poor sick person would have been yeah. the, the better response. I just, I just need to know how this story ends. <laughs> Not well, both for the vomiting and for the fact that right. it's a terrible movie. Um, yeah, so getting back to uh, the young Pope, how? What are your thoughts on the music? Oh, I mean, I like the music a lot. Uh, it, it's it's definitely uh, like I know some people tend to either like their scores very apparent or not. This was like a very apparent score to me, but mm-hmm. I think it works just for the style of the show, which is very you know stylized and grandiose, and it fits that kind of larger in life tone. I think very well. Absolutely, yeah. I. It's difficult to ignore, um, mm-hmm. and I, I agree with you. I think it's either a something that people are really going to like or um, find themselves uh, getting distracted by. But I think it it adds to it. I think it also it's very modern um, mm-hmm. in contrast to the setting, um, which yeah, yeah. And uh, I don't know how they make it look so good because I know that they did not get permission to shoot in the Vatican in the Vatican and St. Peter's Square, but it all looks fantastic and there's a great sense of of scope. Right. Yeah, I mean same with uh you know, House of Cards, like it just you don't really ever think that's a set. You just think you're in the Vatican. Like you're like you're pretty aware that it's not the Vatican, but it never feels that it's like something else. It it definitely feels like you're in this little world, which definitely adds to the whole experience of it all. Yeah. It I mean, obviously, since it's on HBO, we know that there is there's money going into, and I think the number is around forty million dollars, which is uh, oh wow, um, yeah, it it, it looks that's actually like less it. than I thought. Yeah, I that's the thing is that I think, um, especially for a ten hour drama, forty million dollars really isn't that much for it to look this good, but. I think it's a much larger number than uh, Sorrentino's dealt with in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but it's just wonderful. Um, the The other thing I wanted to get your insight on is all of the various cardinals and other men in that are surrounding him, because there's certainly a wide variety of, of characters there um, between the Secretary of State who's I'm looking it up now. Um, so it's Cardinal Voyello, who's played by Silvio Orlando. Yeah. I mean, he's great. And the thing that, but the thing that's been bugging me these past couple of days is for the longest time. Well, not the longest, like when I saw the show, I thought his mole was real. I did too. And, and I looked it up and then realized it wasn't. So I'm just like, so what was like, I, I mean, I guess there's like the apparent reasons why the, like that they had a fake mole, but just like, just, like the creative decisions that went into that I think really speaks to, you know, the authorship of this whole show. But uh, yeah, no, I, I think he's doing a really great job. And I mean, I can't say I'm, I think I've seen him in a couple things before, but this is the, like the most prominent role I've ever seen him do. But he really like he, in a way he fits the 
uh, maybe not silliness, but larger in life aspects of the show. But at mm-hmm. the same time, he also kind of brings it down. Same with Diane Keaton. Like they both are when they need to be, they're very good at being the anchor to the show and kind of in later episodes, you'll see that he has kind of a, uh, more personal arc. That's not really expected, but definitely deeply felt in its own little way. And yeah, I think he's really good. Agreed. And, and like you said, I don't want to go into that, that arc too much, but I think it adds a really surprising depth and an element that I was not expecting with the character and yet also just feels very authentic to who Voyello is. Yes, definitely. Uh, um, and then also uh, Javier Camara as Cardinal Gutierrez. And I'd seen him in a few uh, films from Almodovar. And he seems to be a very different character than a lot of the the rest of the men that are surrounding uh, surrounding him. Oh, and James Cromwell. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> who who uh, I think just pops up very briefly in the first episode and hasn't. I think even in the first five hasn't played as prominent of a role as I might have guessed from seeing James Cromwell credited. So mm-hmm. I'm hoping that there's a little bit more of him and Cardinal Spencer. Um, yeah. With uh, Cromwell, I just feel like like I haven't watched um, American Horror Story at all. I know he played a pretty prominent role in, I think, season two. I think so, yeah. Yeah, but to me, he's still the farmer from Babe. So just Always. seeing him. Yeah. <laughs> so just, you know, like every time I see him, I just think, you know, like, that'll do pig. So just seeing him, uh, you know, really, like same with Jude Law, just digging his teeth into this uh, role that kind of challenges him in this way that makes him, you know, uh, have to be the menace, menacer for the menacing. It just, it's, it, 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 some people I could see calling it like maybe over the top and stuff, but I don't know. I just, I think it works the same with everything else or most everything else in the show. It just, it, it, I, I dug it. I'm, I'm right there with you. I think like we've been saying, like the show is, it is very much its own thing. And Mm -hmm. I think even if, you're not entirely sure if you like it or if it's for you. I think if you care about art and TV, it's it's really important to see because it is just so specific and so entirely mm-hmm. different from from everything else that's on television right now and does even really feel like, even though it has, of course, like a lot of Sorrentino stuff owes a debt to Fellini and mm-hmm. it also feels a little bit like The Sopranos at times, especially with all of those dream sequences, but it's still... Yeah. All of that said, it's so entirely Sorrentino. Right. I mean, I would say if you're at least intrigued by the first episode, keep watching because I think it's worth being involved with the conversation. Because if you walk out of this having nothing to say, I, I just can't see. Like, I, don't, I don't know how it's possible. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that this will at the very least create a lot yeah. of conversation. Right. I just can't see how someone can watch like a scene where Jude Law like crawls out of a pile of babies and being like, <laughs> Okay. <laughs> yeah, that um, that's definitely going to to make you have an opinion one way or or the other. And my agreement would be for yeah. for keep watching, even no if one's you're gonna... not right there. Yeah, I can't imagine anyone being like, "Oh, how derivative of a baby crawling <laughs> scene." <laughs> I've seen this on TV so many times before. It was right. on NBC last week. Right. That is the Young Pope, uh, which Will and I are definitely in its corner and are excited to see the remaining five episodes and for everybody else to catch up with 
us on these these next three so that we can have more to yeah. talk about there. <laughs> right. I just hope they don't drop the ball with the second half. But I mean, I, I know, like you said, it did premiere in Italy. So it seems like the response was overall pretty positive on the whole series. So I'm looking forward to seeing how it wraps up because I generally don't know how they're going to wrap it up. Yeah, I have... I have no idea. I guess they're already also saying that it could be extended um, past this first 10 episodes. And, oh, wow. Okay. Um, which I I was kind of excited by the idea of, oh, these, these one and done. I, I like that sense yeah. of finality and that they can really figure out what they want to do in a set period of time. But um, yeah, I will. I'll definitely be curious to see what they do there. I also like how they're releasing it where it's one episode Sunday, one episode Monday for five weeks, um, which is something that, that HBO doesn't tend to do, but yeah, that's, that's neat. Hey folks, we're cutting in for a second. There's not just binge worthy, our TV podcast, the playlist podcast network also features our mothership, the creatively titled the playlist podcast, playlist podcast editor, Eric McClanahan's adjust your tracking and the over under podcast, which talks overrated and underrated movies. You can subscribe to all these podcasts on the Playlist Podcast on iTunes. Yes, we do love that name. They're all there in one place. Please rate us, leave us a comment, and uh, tell a friend. Okay, back to the show. So there are a lot of other shows that we're really excited about this year um, because that's what we do. (laughs) So I guess we'll go, uh, we'll alternate um, with our picks. So Will, if you want to get started. Sure. Um, I'll just start off with, I think this one's going to be coming first. So FX has their new uh, superhero series coming out called Legion, which is from uh, Noah, Noah Haley, I think it's pronounced. Yeah, no, I'm not sure if it's Haley or Holly, but yeah, genius regardless, I think is right. what that means. I mean, that guy, like, I feel like some days like I've written enough, but that guy last year alone, he created two shows and published a new book. <laughs> And I just don't know, like, I don't know how he has the time to do it, but it's all good. I mean, I've heard great things about the book, but I mean, this show just looks so bizarre and like out there and like, just like, except it's fully aware of its weirdness and it just is going out there just based on the trailers. And I'm really excited to see what he does with, within the X-Men series. So Legion is definitely on my list for next month. Mine too both for the creator as well as kind of taking what I'm hoping will be at the very least a darker approach than what ABC has brought to, to Marvel. Yeah. Um, and I, I love Dan Stevens between, Oh yeah. Um, between Downton Abbey, but the guest, he was so yes. great in that. And I'm hoping we get to see some, some shades of what he brought there. Not that cousin Matthew isn't really the prototype for, right. <laughs> for uh, the schizophrenic son of Charles Xavier, but right. Um, my next anticipated one is also on FX. I honestly, I think we could do just an all FX right. all the time podcast and it would be, it would be plenty fruitful there. Um, but I'm looking forward to feud which is March 5th, and that is Ryan Murphy's next show, which um, can be a little bit hit or miss with uh, yeah. with Mr. Murphy. But this one is uh, about the infamous feud between Betty Davis and Joan Crawford on the set of Whatever Happened to Baby Jane, and Betty Davis is played by Susan Sarandon, and Ryan Murphy mm-hmm. favorite Jessica Lange is playing Joan Crawford. Um, I just I think this is going to be 
gossipy and super fun. And it also has Allison Wright from The Americans, who is just the best. And I want to mm-hmm. see in in whatever else I can I can catch her in. So feud. Yeah, especially after People vs. O.J. Simpson. Um, <sighs> yeah. I'm, and you don't really never know what you're going to get with the Murphy thing, like especially on FX until like the month or so before it comes out. No. And, uh, I'm, you know, I'm nervous too, but I'm excited all the same. Yeah. And Sarah Paulson is in it, which I think is, uh, is oh, yeah, always that's a hallmark. Of a good, the good luck charm. Yeah. <laughs> so what's next on your list? Um, yeah. um, I'm going to go jump to HBO for a little bit and talk about um, the miniseries Big Little Lies. Yes. Which is um, Reese Witherspoon returning to her wild director, um, another name I'm probably going to butcher, but it, I can't, uh, how do you pronounce this? Do you know how to pronounce his name? Is it um, Jean-Marc Vallée? I think that's it. Okay. Yeah, he, decide, he he's kind of going the same uh, route as a couple other people where he's bringing a book, you know, the, the, the same as the title, Big Little Lies, and he's going to adapt it with Nicole Kimmon and Janelle Woodley and I think Adam Scott and a couple other people. Yeah. Uh, Lardern. And they're, yeah, it sounds like it just, the trailers alone just really caught my, like, I just love like suburban, uh, you know, chamber thrillers where like you just don't know what's gonna, like, you could tell something's bubbling up underneath, but you don't know what's going to be happening until, I mean, unless you read the book, obviously, but it just, this, this, I've expected good things from him. I didn't, I know Demolition wasn't all that great, but he's proven himself otherwise and just with his cast and stuff, I'm just expecting big things. So, yeah, I, I loved the book. I thought it was, um, Oh, you read it. I didn't know that. Sorry. Yeah. Oh no. <laughs> um, it's really fun. And I, I like that they translated it from, uh, the coast of Australia to Monterey. I think that that'll be, um, that makes sense within, mm-hmm. within the story. And that, that cast is, is just so great. I, I'm very excited. So I'll switch to another um, another adaptation of a book that I just finished, which is a little embarrassing given that I was a lit major and maybe I should have read more Margaret Atwood. But uh, it's The Handmaid's Tale coming to Hulu on April 26th. And as I just alluded to, it's based on the dystopian novel by Margaret Atwood. It stars Elizabeth Moss, uh, Joseph Fiennes, Yvonne Strahovski, Samira Wiley, Alexis Bedell. Um, it, not to give too much away, but it is definitely, uh, it feels, I think, far more true than anyone would like it to feel. <laughs> yeah. Um, especially given that it's very much a focus of... Um, women's futures and um how how those those are really not doing too well in right. this version of the future yeah i mean i, I did hear that the adaptation uh is probably going to be a little less controversial than the book mm-hmm. which might be great and that might not be great but i'm definitely looking forward to this one too it just the trailers and stuff have been very intriguing and very mysterious and and again i haven't read this book so maybe there's uh stuff I haven't you know uh seen from it but I'm looking forward to it all the same yeah I'll be curious to see how the social commentary and how controversial it actually is I, there was a tweet a few days ago from uh so someone I guess it's I looked up it's at Chrissy Denise 70 who said I wonder if when writing a handmaid's tale 
tale Margaret Atwood thought she would could be predicting the future. And then Margaret Atwood responded and said, I hoped not. And it's just yeah. like, ugh. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so that'll, I'm sure, be a blast and really make us feel great about the state of the world. <laughs> right. Uh, so what's your next one? Um, let's see. I, I'm not, I'm, I'm, we were talking before about superhero shows, and I'll admit that I'm not quite up to beat with those as I am with some other shows and some other superhero movies even. But... I am really looking forward to the Punisher spinoff that's coming up uh-huh. just because, I mean, as growing up as like a teenager, I really love that character. And I think there's a lot that could be done that the movies like, I mean, I, I have a soft spot for the 2004 one with Do- uh, Thomas Jane, mm-hmm. but I'll admit that none of those adaptations are the, you know, the peak of what that character can be. And I just feel like Netflix has been more on the ball than not these days. And I'm expecting this one, especially with, uh, John Berthold's performance, I think it's going to be something really cool and hopefully lives up to the standards of those that, like myself, that really want to see this character excel in this medium. Absolutely. I think that Berthold's, uh The Punisher was definitely the best part of that second season of mm-hmm. uh, of Daredevil, or at least the first half of the second season. <laughs> Great. But mm-hmm. yeah, I, I'm curious as well. I wasn't fully on board with with that season, but I mean, I'm going to I'm going to keep watching that and um, pretty much anything that they they send me. So, <laughs> yeah, um, I am also looking forward to Star Trek Discovery, um, which will be on CBS All Access. I the last I heard was May, but apparently they're just about to begin shooting. <laughs> so yeah, that might, That's going to be a tight window. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll see if that that actually happens. Yeah. Um, but it's so Brian Fuller was the showrunner. He left um, because he's uh, doing American Gods and then um, Amazing Stories, which I haven't heard a ton about to date. Um, and the director who's doing the pilot is uh, David Semmel, who I wasn't familiar with. He's done some work on Madam Secretary and Goliath, um, which I'd mm-hmm. hoped for. He may be wonderful. I don't want to slag a, a CBS drama, but um, I just hope for something a little bit stronger. Not that you can ever get stronger than Brian Fuller, um, but the cast right. is definitely awesome. Um, it's Sonequa Martin-Green is the lead. Uh, she of The Walking Dead, Doug Jones, Michelle Yeoh, and Anthony Rapp. So it's I, I think that there's a lot to look forward there, and that will hopefully be a nicer look at the future than we're getting from the right. Handmaid's Tale. <laughs> so uh, what's your next one? Yeah, I mean, this is one that I'm just, it's pretty much a shot in the dark because we haven't really seen or heard anything. <laughs> but uh, Bill Hader has a new show coming out, hopefully later this year. I know they filmed the pilot and it's called Barry. And I think all we know about it is it's uh, the story of a hitman like coming back to his hometown I think there's more, there may have been more announced, but that's all I really know going in. Other than Bill Hader not only stars in the show, but he wrote and directed, uh, or at least is going to write and direct a good portion of it. It just sounds like it's going to be this another pretty dark comedy from HBO, but hopefully one that's you know distinctive and interesting and very funny. And I, I like again, I don't haven't seen anything from this, not even like a still, so this could be completely <laughs> terrible. But I. No, Bill Hader deserves a spotlight, and I think this is going to be in, in his hands. I think he's going to do a good job with it. 
Agreed. I, I think that he is um, he's great and very funny and, and does also have a really specific comedic voice that I think I would want every week. So Yeah. And but the skeleton twins he proved that he can do dramatic pretty well too, which oh, I imagine fantastically. Which I imagine a show would delve into at least at some point, so <laughs> Yeah, that would that would not surprise me. Um Oh, so uh, Twin Peaks is my next one. Yeah. Um, speaking of shows like Star Trek Discovery that I'm just really hopeful for, but I'm not entirely sure what I'm going to get. <laughs> right. And especially, so Twin Peaks is returning. It's going to be on Showtime May 21st. They, I think, just announced that um, pretty recently. It brings back a number of actors who are in the original, um, whether it's Mad Chinamic or Kyle MacLachlan, uh, Russ Tamblin, Ray Wise, who was always so much fun in this role, right. um, and Grace Zabriskie, but also some some other people popping up like uh, Naomi Watts, uh, mm-hmm. who was of course in Mulholland Drive. Um, but I'm I'm really just I, I feel like I'm just sitting here with my fingers crossed until yeah. May, hoping that this is going to be going to be good but at the very least i'm sure it will be will be interesting i hope it's mm-hmm. interesting <laughs> well I, I i can't see lynch making a boring 18 episode season so yeah i i'm i'm very hopeful and i'm going to to stay hopeful until it is it is taken from me right i mean yeah like it's just it's kind of unfortunate because we're in this time where a lot of the revivals we've seen recently haven't been all that great and not all of them are bad but none of them just don't live up to our expectations and there's certainly a lot of expectations for twin peaks coming back but yes yeah like you said i'm right there with you crossing my fingers you know blessing my lucky stars this needs to be really good and i hope it is (laughs) yeah me too so you have one more i'm gonna go with there's a lot of shows i mean i could talk (laughs) about glow which i'm really excited about Mm. um mine hunter um we talked about american gods a little bit but I'm going to go with Room 104, which is, uh, if you don't know it, that makes sense. Cause I, I do think not know it. <laughs> it's uh, the newest show from the Duplass brothers, ah, who, yes. as we know, were on uh, HBO with Togetherness, and that unfortunately got canceled way too soon. So soon. I really love that show. And this one, all I know is that it's kind of the same with, I think that, uh, I haven't gotten to watch it, but I know Netflix had a show called Easy from, um, what's his name, Joe Swanberg, mm-hmm. where it was like each episode was like a different uh, kind of story. It, it was an anthology story in that way. And the same with um, HBO's High Maintenance, where you follow like a different story each time. This one, it's all it is, is the only consistency is that it's the same hotel room, but each episode is going to follow a different family or different a couple or relationship of some sort and for 30 minutes or maybe even an hour i don't even know we're just gonna follow like a different family and i just know from the deplaz pen that they're gonna I, I i imagine they're gonna do something really special with this show and i'm hoping that's something at least on par with togetherness if not even better i i was not familiar with this but but you said Duplass brothers and i am i am right there this sounds sounds great yeah um, and I'm still hoping some point this year they're just like, hey, we, we're going to make together this a movie, wrap it all up like they did with Looking this year or last year. And But if we don't get that, then I'll be happy if Room 104 is good. I would be so, so happy if we got that. I just 
as as we've discussed before right. uh, really really loved that show and was so so sorry to see it go so I'm going to talk a little bit more about American Gods um, because I am Please do. Super excited. <laughs> uh, so it's from Brian Fuller, who did Hannibal and Pushing Daisies and um, is just one of the more interesting voices in a world full of interesting voices in TV. It's based on Neil Gaiman's book of the same name, which is one of my favorite books of all time. So the... Uh, the stakes are really, really seriously there for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's about uh, the gods of the old world, uh, particularly focusing on the Norse gods and how they are unhappy with how new gods have taken over in America. Um, new gods such as technology and media. And media is played by Gillian Anderson, um, which that alone would be enough to bring me to... <laughs> <laughs> to the table. I mean, I'm I'm still watching the fall, so I feel like the standards are pretty pretty low as long as she's involved. Um, but it stars Ricky Whittle, who is on the 100, as well as Ian McShane. It's an amazing cast. I'm going to be very curious how they bring uh, Neil Gaiman's world to life, and I can't think of anybody better than Brian Fuller to do it. Oh yeah, I mean, I have I've had the book on my shelf for a little bit, and I'm definitely looking forward to reading it. But yeah, this show again, a lot of high standards, but just with the talent involved, I imagine it's going to be a good one. And I hope to say the same when it premieres. So, fingers crossed. Yeah, <laughs> that's the thing. Like a lot of these things, like we just got to cross our fingers and hope for the best. But it's looking pretty great TV wise for the year. Yeah, I world wise, it's looking bleak, but TV wise, <laughs> we're looking pretty good. Yeah, that's um, at least we'll have the the good TV if everything else just goes to hell. Great. Um, on that happy note, <laughs> thank you for for joining me, Will. It's been really fun to chat about TV with you since we're both so excited. Right. Thank you so much for having me on. My pleasure. So again, you can check out Will's work not only on the playlist but also around the web. He's on Twitter at the Will of Ash. I'm Kimber Myers, and you can find me on Twitter as Kimber Myers, which is the nice thing about <laughs> being named Kimber. Um, you can find us on SoundCloud. You can find us on iTunes, and you can also find the podcast posted on our home, theplaylist.net. On iTunes, please subscribe and rate our pod. We'll see you next time.